the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and much, much more. One thing that I can tell you is we all pay our taxes and we all die. My goal is to get your retirement with a little bit of money in your pocket so that you can enjoy things, so that you can hold your wife's hand. Unless you want a girlfriend, then you can hold her hand. I don't know. Um, so that's my goal. It's it's important to note. I want you to live from age 60 to 100 comfortably. I do understand that we don't all get to 60. My dad died in his late 50s. I got that going against me. Um, I may not make it. My mom is alive and well. No, my mom is alive in her late 70s. So my retirement looks like it's going to be expensive or dying early. It's going to be one of the two. My mother benefited from my father's service in the military, so she's got free health care until the day she dies. Good health care, decent health care um, that she doesn't have to necessarily pay for. A recent research report came out about people who die early, and it noted that 30% of Americans don't have life insurance, which is one of the reasons you should have life insurance is so that your family doesn't take a financial hit when you die. When you're above 60 and you die, you your family shouldn't take a financial hit. Unless you're making kids at age 55, you know, and they're counting on you working until 70. Your family should probably only count on you working until 60 and then retiring. So you don't need life insurance after that. That's why you don't need whole life and you don't need variable life. They're wasted insurance if you live towards the standard age where people die, 74 to 76, right? So life insurance is there for the worst-case scenario, in my opinion. 30% of Americans don't have life insurance, a staple asset. Uh, When you die, it's not cheap. Especially when you die early, it's not cheap. Because, again, your family loses your income. But more importantly, they have to bury you. Uh, you can have it done for under $1,000 if you want to get cremated. I highly recommend that. But again, I'm not going to tell you how to die. I'm not going to tell you how to do things. You know, more and more Americans are, uh, I don't know if you know this, but when you're retired, you and your spouse are both getting Social Security checks. Sometimes when the spouse dies, people are starting to bury the spouse in the backyard and still collecting that Social Security check. I'm not suggesting doing that wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. I will say this. When I die, if, if I'm not cremated, I have no problem with you putting me in a shoebox and burying me in the backyard. That would be awesome. Dad's buried in the backyard. There's a play called Buried Child. Um, fantastic play. And... uh you know, it's it's clearly about you know dad and you know he's being a jerk and he's raising jerky kids. His kids hate him, 
but it's not really about having a buried child. Like you, I feel like I missed part of my childhood, right? Because my dad was an alcoholic, so I didn't really enjoy it as much. So I've got a buried child in me. But no, no, this play, there was actually a child buried in the backyard. And you didn't find out about it until the very last scene. Hopefully you're not reading it right now and I ruined it for you. Or you're not going to go see it on Friday. But if you are, then so be it. Anyway, um, so when you die, it's five hundred dollars to $3,000 for a tombstone. Um, a plot of land could be $4,000 or more. So uh, a funeral could be $10,000 to $20,000. And for the record, I hate the whole funeral time of the year. Um, you know, you, your spouse dies and you go into a funeral home and they're like, so how would you like to bury your husband? Would you like to put him in this shabby balsa wood coffin? That's very uncomfortable. Or would you like to go with a Cadillac steel kiss coffin? You know, Kiss, Knights and Satan Services, the rock band, I want to rock and roll all night, party all day. They've got Kiss coffins. Oh, I'm sure there's Van Halen coffins and things like that. $10,000, $20,000. But yeah, the whole funeral home service thing, not something that I enjoy. I find they, they see, they, to me, I know they provide a much needed service. But they, I feel like they prey on people. But I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just being too, too harsh. Let's talk about mutual funds. Let's talk, stop talking about death. I know you're saying that was, that was cold turkey. You just quit, quit death that fast. Give me a little bit more subtlety. Wine and dine me. Woo me. Okay. When you're looking at a mutual fund, if you want to study it beyond one minute, you have to start looking at the five-star thing means nothing, okay? Five-star is past performance. It means nothing. You want to look at the alpha, the beta, R-squared, standard deviation, and the Sharpe ratio. These are all predicators of investment risk. You want to see how the fund does when things get volatile. You want to see how, things, how the fund does when things aren't volatile. And to me, you want to look at 5, 7, and 10-year returns. Because, again, you're not inve- if you're investing for 1 to 3 years, sure, look at 1 to 3-year returns. But most of us are investing for our lifetime. So alpha is a measure of investments performance on a risk-adjusted basis. If you end up having a great return, but you only got a great return because you're in the market at a great time, and you didn't realize the markets could go down, and that fund goes down triple, quadruple what the market does, you took on more risk than you needed to. So alpha takes the volatility which is what defined as price risk. And it compares it to a risk-adjusted performance of a benchmark. And therefore, you become up with an alpha. A positive alpha of 1 means the fund has outperformed its benchmark index by 1%. Correspondingly, a negative alpha would indicate that it's underperformed 1%. For investors, the more positive an alpha, the better it is. But you can't stop there. Because with alpha comes beta. Beta is known as a coefficient. Now, I know you studied all this stuff in algebra, and I know every bit of it's out of your head, but you studied it for a reason. Beta is a measure of volatility or systemic risk compared to the market as a whole. Beta is calculated using regression analysis going backwards. You can kind of think of it as a tendency of an investment's return to respond to swings in the market. By definition, a market beta of 1 
is uh, it's how deviant you become from the market. A beta of one indicates the investment's price will move lock and step with the market. A beta less than one indicates that it's less volatile. Now, some people will say to me, I can't stand the stock market. It's got too much. It's too much of a roller coaster. So get, get an investment that has a low beta or a negative beta. So a beta of more than one indicates that the market's going to be a lot more volatile. So, for instance, a 1.2 beta means it's going to theoretically be 20% more volatile than the market because the market's one. So you're looking for 0. 0.5, 0. 0.4 if you want slow and consistent. But I'm, that's, that's not saying you should do that because you may have time on your hand. R-squared is a statistical measure that represents the percentage of a fund's portfolios that can be explained by movements in a benchmark index. For instance, you know, fixed income securities correspond with mutual funds, the, you know, the benchmark 10-year treasury. Equities and equity funds, you would compare them to the S&P 500. Um, R-squared ranges from 0 to 100. Morningstar mutual fund with an R-squared value between 85 and 100 has a performance record that's closely correlated to an index. So R-squared, 85 to 100, basically means you could probably do just as well in an index. It starts getting you into actively managed thoughts versus passively managed thoughts. We'll talk about a couple other ways of looking at mutual funds. We'll do some investing tips coming up. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220, KDOW. I'm full of personal financial wisdom and a lot of hot air. I smell fresh. A couple things that I can teach you if you want to become successful, if you want financial security. I think that's what this show is all about, financial security, is learn to invest in yourself. Your own earning power is rooted in your education and your job skills. It's the most valuable asset you'll ever own. It can't be wiped out in a market crash. Keep your earning power growing through continuous education, through training and personal development. If you work in a field prone to periodic layoffs or falling earnings, think about a career change. If you're constantly having to jump from job to job, think about a career change. Maybe it's something you've always dreamed of doing. I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. I'm a rainmaker, and I do media. I get to meet a lot of nice people. I could probably do this for another 50, 60 years. I love what I do. You know how hard it is to save up to $500,000? It's a lot easier if you make an extra $30,000 a year doing what you love. If you stop changing jobs, if you're unemployed for a couple months, and you lose $10,000, $20,000 in income, you see how it's tough to make $500,000 in savings. Next thing, if you want to be financially secure, number one is invest in yourself. Number two, protect yourself. Protect your loved ones. When you have something that's worth something, protect it. Serious illness stops your ability from earning income. Therefore, you get health insurance. 
This weekend, I'm going to be, you know, flying around, jet setting. What if while I'm just picking up a rental car, if someone, you know, uh, not paying attention there in a new airport for the first time, they accidentally hit me, and suddenly I'm in a wheelchair. Will I be able to do what I want? I need disability insurance. I've seen people my age die. I need life insurance because I have a great income and I have a great ability to earn a great income for many, many more years. So I need to protect that income with health insurance, with disability insurance, and with term life insurance. That's how you get financially secure. Young families in particular, protect what you can't afford to lose. And typically, people are woefully uninsured, especially for disability. You want to learn to borrow sparingly. Use credit only to purchase things like a house or an education. Maybe a car. Pay cash for everything else, like travel, clothing, entertainment, furniture. If you want to take advantage of a credit card for 30 free days, do it. But pay off the bill in full every month. Lesson number four, if you want to become financially secure, is pay yourself first. When I was working as an investment advisor, I'd see a lot of Latino families that were invisibly rich. They come to America, they work their butts off, they save 30% of their income, and then suddenly they're buying the house next to me because they're saving 30% of their income. And next thing you know, they got a BMW that they bought in cash. They're invisibly rich. Early on, they paid themselves first. Later on, They get what they deserve, and they get what they've earned. So every single paycheck, since I was 18 years old, I've saved 10 to 15% automatically. It's it's ingrained in me. So when those years that I made 100,000, 10 to 15,000 a year was saved automatically. I'd have it taken out of my paycheck so that I didn't have to do it because you know what? I'm a lazy piece of poop at times, just like you. I like sitting on my couch and eating Fritos. I like to refer to them as corn chips because it freaks people out. You call them Fritos, I call them corn chips. Next thing, if you want to become financially secure, is don't go for the home run. Mark McGuire went for a lot of home runs, but he struck out an awful lot. Reggie Jackson went for a lot of home runs, but he struck out an awful lot. In baseball, when you swing for the fence, you do hit that occasional. Lifetime batting averages of the Reggie Jacksons and Mark McGuire's are a lot lower than they should have been. You don't want to lower your lifetime average in investing. Don't try to hit the home run. IPOs, stay away from them. Buying on margin, don't do it. Trying to do something like buying the Iraqi dinar, you're an idiot. I I can't say it any better than that. You're an idiot. Trying to buy into currencies where there's not even economies. Next lesson, if you want to become... Financially secure? Diversify, diversify, diversify. I hate it. I own stocks. I own bonds. I own real estate. Boring. I wish I only owned stocks. But I don't. And yeah, you know my little property in Raleigh? Slowly paying it off. Got a renter that I hate. Don't like being a landlord, but it's slowly paying it off. It's slowly becoming an asset. 
the office property where I set up my own office and I pay myself my own rent. Awesome, because I'm a good tenant. I don't like people who aren't named Rob Black being my tenants. In my home, I'm my own tenant. Best part about owning a home is the tax deductions. Otherwise, I'd rent. Just so you know. So you need to diversify with real estate, stocks, and bonds. Best way to own real estate is through what are called real estate investment trusts. Every mortgage that I have is a risk. If I lose my job and my ability to earn income, or if I lose that tenant, I will go bankrupt. I will lose everything. Everything will go into foreclosure. Another piece of good advice is live simple today and live comfortable tomorrow. You know, your long-term goals should be about my long-term goal. I want to have a grandkid. And I want to put $5 in each hand and tell him to pick a hand. I want the kid to win. I want him to love me. I want my legacy to be of love. Not of that old person. You know my mom? Her legacy sucks. She was the world's greatest mother. Unbelievable. I was such a mama's boy. I'd watch her cook. I was probably in love with my mother. I probably wanted to kill my dad. I was probably like a Greek tragedy. And now in the last 10 years, she's had two strokes. She's, she hasn't really left the house much. She watches CNBC. She buys crap from CNBC. And then she gives it away. You'll bring a girlfriend home. And she's like, hey, you're so pretty. I'm going to give you a ring. So my mom's legacy's ruined. Because the last few years of her life, she hasn't been out there living. She's been there dying. I want the positive legacy that grandparents should have on their, their grandchildren. And I want to give generously. You know, when you have family members that need something, I want to be there for them. That's why I want to be financially secure. Now, if your family needs $10,000 to pay for their kids' braces, that's great. If your brother needs $10,000 because he's got a little bit of a gambling problem, ain't ain't coming from me. I don't fund that. You listen to AM 1220 KDOW. You can find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. When the show is over, a couple hours later, you can find it at kdow.biz, a podcast. You can find me on YouTube. I've got a great YouTube channel called Rob Black Show. Rob Black Show. AM 1220 KDOW. To the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I was recently reading, and we got a little zombie. Zombie. I'm bringing us into the break or into the segment. Um, I was recently reading about Kickstarter. Do you know Kickstarter? It's a website that you can go ask for money. You need a little kickstart. You can basically say, Rob Black wants to fund, hmm, what do I want to fund? A trophy model wife from Australia. He wants to find some woman who wants a millionaire to marry in America. So I say, okay, if you help me get this million dollars to woo this woman, 
I'll let you go out on dates with us, or I'll let you go to dinner with us. $100,000, 10 people, I got my money. It's a great concept because it's a great way of raising money. It may be, I want to buy a TV show nationally, but I have to bring $5 million of sponsors along, otherwise people won't pay attention to me. I promise to let you sit in the audience. I promise to let you be interviewed on the show. But I was reading this one uh, success story, and people were asking for some ridiculous things. Me asking for a rich woman, beautiful model with an English accent, not ridiculous in any way, shape, or form. But this one company, it's just this guy and this woman, and they want to make a phone app. It's, it's pretty cool, the concept. It's a zombie game. It's a running game. So it's part exercise, part zombie. So you basically turn on the app, and it will say, okay, go run five miles. And in two and a half miles, you're going to be picking up some medicine. And it does this whole GPS stuff, and it, okay, so you find the medicine. So it's sending you around town, and you have to bring it back to your house, and then you plug it into your computer, and suddenly your camp has medicine. Tomorrow you go running and you're looking for shotgun shells. So you bring it back to your your house and suddenly your camp has medicine and shotgun shells. You might go pick up another survivor. And sometimes during the run it goes, watch out, zombies, pick up your pace. So it, it turns exercise into a game, a zombie game. Now again, I don't know. I got this little cardio trainer that tells me every mile that I take, every minute, or every two or three minutes it goes, You've run two miles. You've run two and a half miles. Um, and it's cool. It, it, it makes running a little bit more uh, interactive. But this, whole, this company, they were looking for $15,000. They ended up getting $80,000 in funding. And boom, they got their, their, their wish, and they're, they're making a game. Kickstarter. I think that's one of the, the cooler things out there. <laughs> How about this for a Kickstarter idea? I need a million dollars so I can lounge around and become the world's greatest corn chip tosser. I, I, if you give me a million dollars, I promise I will give you this radio show. I will leave radio, and I will throw corn chips in my mouth all day long, and I will become so good at it that we will come up with an Olympic corn chip tossing competition. Okay, maybe that's not going to happen. U.S. men get eliminated from uh, uh, Olympic soccer recently. Grown men, the goalkeeper just botched. He, he kind of like jumped. The ball bounced in front of him. Wait for it, wait for it. It'll hit you, it'll fall into your hands, right? And he dove away from it as if it were a grenade. So the post-game interview, these guys just bawling. There's nothing worse than watching an athletic man cry. I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't mind seeing the NCAAs after a game where... Coach Bargeris is retiring, and kids are like, he meant so much to me. He was a father. I don't mind, because you're a college kid, and you got all that testosterone going through your body. You're confused. But when you're a 35, 30-year-old man, and you're balling on national television because he lost a game, doesn't work for me. Anyway, um, here's some, some ideas for investing in IPOs. Understand... That IPOs, 85% of them underperform the S&P 500 in year one. I know a lot of you want the Facebook IPO. I know a lot of you want the next Google IPO. 
in the last 15 years, if I can go back in time and pick one and pick an IPO that I wanted, I could only pick one. It would have been Google. I botched it. It came out at 30 bucks a share. First trade was at 70, and then it marches to 700. That's the only one in time that I would go back and, and ask for. In this day and age dot com mania, everyone knows about IPOs. Everyone, when an IPO comes public, it's the initial public offering. That means all the private money has already been invested. So 85% underperform, in large part because that first year you're dealing with salmon selling. You're going upstream, they're coming downstream. I don't know, did I just botch that analogy? Because don't salmon go upstream and you're going down? So you get the idea. So suddenly you're a salmon. I know you're saying, I love salmon, Rob. Okay, well, think of salmon being eaten. No, 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 okay, so the analogy is just totally ruined. I don't know, maybe you're, maybe you're a, uh, a mahi-mahi, which for the record is just cheap fish. When you go to a restaurant and they're like, what's your fish of the day? It's typically the cheapest fish they can get their hands on that's not fish and chips. Getting information on companies going public is tough. So... Information is incredibly scarce. I know you want that Facebook IPO, but there's not a lot of information on it because they've been private up till now. So what information is out there, you need to find. It's typically involved in what's called a red herring or a prospectus. So you have to read this perspective. I know you're saying, please don't make me read. I don't know how. Well, they don't make it in scratch and sniff, so you're going to have to read. Another thing that you want to do is you want to pick a company with strong brokers. If you're going to go after an IPO, you don't want to go after a company that's coming public from Sandwich and Sandwich in Fremont, the brokerage firm. You don't want that. You want the best ones. You want the Goldman Sachs. You don't want, first and foremost, fictional underwriters, like I just said, Sandwich and Sandwich. You don't want John Q. Public. You want someone who, who went to the best of the best to get you know brought public. you got to read the prospectus. You've got to read their Ed Herring. You've got to look for... In the, in the prospectus, it'll say things like, we may not have enough money going forward. Or it may say, in Facebook's example, this Google Plus got to 100 million users faster than we did. We're quaking in our boots. Or it may say, using Facebook too much may cause cancer. Now, again, that's fictional. But any sort of risk disclosure, because it's going to be publicly traded, the Securities and Exchange Commission says... You've got to let people know worst-case scenarios. You want to be cautious. Everyone wants this. You know, one thing that I hate when I go out with my buddies, or when I went out with my buddies and we were picking up chicks, oh, no, 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 we were just going out to have a good time. <laughs> we were going out to pick up chicks. I would say, if you throw me under the bus, I will never talk to you again to my guys. I don't like guys that are competitive with other guys for women. I find that vile. Um, so I, 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 I like integrity. I like honesty. I like loyalty. And I like people who are tenacious. It's, integrity means the world to me, but don't throw your bro under the bus. Like, don't go, oh, you fat. Like, don't, don't. I know you're saying, what the hell is that? I don't know. But let's just say I think I've had that happen to me before. So be cautious. Everyone wants this beautiful woman in America when it's the Facebook IPO. 
everyone's going to be saying, I, I will give any amount of money to go out with you. They're all chasing the same thing. And what happens when you all chase the same thing? You can't all be winners. The market is made up of winners and losers. I, I say if you really want an IPO, wait for the lockup period. You know, wait for that 90 days when companies start selling. And if you want to pick up shares, that's fine. You've seen how the stock's traded in, in at least 90 days. You know, once it's locked up, once those insiders are selling, then it's suddenly not all sellers. Then it's a market of buyers and sellers. You're starting to find more of a reasonable price. That's a good strategy. In no way, shape, or form am I saying avoid all IPOs. Again, historically, there's only one that I wish I can go back and get. And I'm using past performance. I'm using 2020 hindsight. So I don't chase. I don't play that game. I play my game. And if if the woman doesn't like it, if she doesn't love me, that's fine. I don't change my game to go after what everyone else is going after. I hope that makes some sort of sense. I will say the time that I change my game is when the market gets too crazy. Now I'm no longer talking about IPS. I will change my game when people get too panicky or too euphoric. When you're hearing, you know, taxi cabs giving you investment tips, it's t- typically time to get out. When you're hearing, you know, uh, housewives or house husbands talk about trading options, it's typically not a good idea because this isn't easy. This takes work. So I try to profit when other people panic and I try to panic when other people are making it too easy. Something occurs that causes stock prices to rapidly decline on high volume. Eventually a high volume day occurs when buyers and sellers fight for control of the trend. Typically if there's no significant trend change, that's when typically another point of high volume and substantial reversals occur. So when other people are panicking to get outside You can't quite get in. You wait for the flow to ebb a little bit, then you get in. You listen to AM 1220? That last segment maybe won't make total sense to you, and that's fine because it wasn't my best segment. It wasn't my worst. AM 1220, KDOW. You're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. I'm so sad right now. I got post-National Puppy Day Blues. I love puppies. And the day only comes once a year. Get your stuff together, Rob. Did you know that there's an art to picking Mega Millions? When those jackpots get up to 100 million, 200 million, 300 million, you need to avoid lottery fever. There's lessons here that are applicable in life. 
that are applicable in lottery, that are applicable in investing. When jackpots get high, people tend to do stupid things. When Google goes from 70 to 100 to 150, 200, 250, 300, 350, 400, 455, I guarantee there's some people that bought it at like 755, all-time high. And they're still holding on to it after it drops 50%. Avoid lottery fever. Mathematicians have said the odds of winning are always the same regardless of how many people play because the lottery is always drawn from the same set of numbers. Do your homework if you want to play the lottery. And for the record, I don't suggest you play the lottery. But I know you're going to because you're monkeys. You're basically animals that have barely evolved in millions and millions of years. Unless, of course, you don't believe in evolution. But if your numbers are 4, 8, 15, 20, 25, and 36, go see if those numbers have ever won because they have. You might want to get rid of them. Pick your own numbers. Never leave it up to the machine. Don't use the quick picks. I know you're saying, how does that apply? Well, do your own homework. You know, don't, don't let other people do your homework for you when it comes to investing. Stick with the strategy. A lot of people learn that, you know, uh, I'm going to go with my own numbers. I'm going to go with my kids' birthdays. I'm going to go with whatever you do, stick with it. So I know you're saying, okay, you're really stretching right now. I really am. Just so you know. I'm trying to get out of here. I don't want to be here. I've got no desire. Internal editor on. Let's talk a little bit about ethical investing. It's a niche style which has gained a lot of popularity. In the 2000s, when executives were greedy, and I'll say this, if we were to go back in time, remember the dot-com implosion? If we were to go back in time, I bet you a lot of CEOs would have gone to prison if the market didn't implode. Because you might remember some CEOs were paying themselves like $100 million in stock options and stuff like that. Some of it was being backdated. So board of directors are very important. Ethical investing sometimes will take into account board of directors. Ethical investing will sometimes take into account that financial goals can be attained within people's values. There's what's called socially responsible investing. I'm not a big practicer of it practitioner of it. You know, my dad died from cancer. I have no problem owning Philip Morris. So socially responsible investing. There's uh, a good website out there called Calvert or a good group called Calvert Group. C-A-L-V-E-R-T. So when you botch your French day and you, you tell the waiter, I like those hairy coat verts. Green beans. Okay. Vert. V-E-R-T. Calvert. California vert. Vert, 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 vert. Um, they've got some good. They got some good pointers. There's also another um, really good socially responsible investing company called Domini. D O M I N I. So think of Domino with an I at the end. Workers' rights and human rights. Look, I think those little kids in, in Asia deserve a job, and I think taking away their right to earn four cents, eight cents an hour is is un-American. Some of you think that they should have more freedom of speech, freedom of fear, right to life, liberty, and personal security. Shouldn't it be tortured? 
should be allowed to talk to their bosses without getting fired. Should get 12 hours of rest every day and some leisure time. No, 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 no. I believe in an efficient working model. Like batteries. Batteries have to work till they die, so why shouldn't uh, you know, children and women? So ethical investing. Domini, as well as Calvert, you want to look at workers' rights and human rights. You want to look at socially responsible, environmentally conscious. That's becoming more and more of a phrase that companies are starting to try to understand, leaving as small of an energy footprint as possible. Um, for instance, some companies now with the cafeterias are worm composting. I know you're saying, wild. Um, some companies are you know, doing a lot more recycling on, on site. You want to look for companies, if you're ethically oriented, that do a lot of voting. Let people talk about it. So some good vehicles for this, like I said, there's mutual funds, there's exchange-traded funds, there's socially responsible stocks. You have to find a good screener. And there's two websites that I talked about, Dumbani and Calvert Group. Both have really good screens. So, for instance, if you believe it's important that women make up a percentage of the board or that you don't like companies that make missiles or weapons of mass destruction, you may not like Boeing. You may think of Boeing as an airplane company. I think of Boeing as a missile company. Now, do you want to invest in that? You're looking for companies that are, have some sort of community impact. I'm putting together a piece right now on McDonald's, and... You know, McDonald's is a company that's been around a long time. So they're starting to get some new franchisees. And these new franchisees, they're, they're building new stores with more electrical outlets so that you can come in and plug in your computer. They're building their stores with Wi-Fi. They're trying to make sure that they're, you know, like, uh, if you come into our McDonald's, we're going to do a book drive for the local school. They want to look good in front of the school because we know that McDonald's makes fat oompa loompa, oompa loompa little children. So corporate images are starting to become more and more important. Human rights becoming more and more important. Companies like Clorox and Gap and Google and Walmart all play by these rules now. Or they try to, at least. Social investing might be for you, might not be for you. AM 1220, KDOW. Um, that's Intuit.com. Insightful, informative, irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I saw a recent study that if your stomach is hurting or a migraine is coming on, there's a 60%, 6 0 percent chance that this illness is being caused by financial stress. I always thought sicknesses were caused by germs, but I guess we're getting susceptible because we're stressing. 
There's a correlation between money and health care. A little knowledge, a little financial education, maybe you save a lot of money by being more productive. Maybe you reduce your health care costs. Maybe you get a better utilization for your employee benefits. I've spoke recently, I've waxed poetically about all the young people who I know. And I refer to people as young as under 30, middle-aged over 30, old age over 40. Technically over 42. But uh, you got to educate yourself. It's not that hard. It's not that tough. I've been doing this now for 17 years, educating you. There's some base. Well, I haven't been doing it seven. I'm exaggerating. If I've told myself once, I've told myself a million times not to exaggerate. You got to understand there's some basics on investing, on taxes, on insurance, on family finance, on living, on retirement. If you're going to have a kid, try to make love, sweet love in March or April so you can have a kid late December and get the tax deduction. <laughs> no, don't have a kid. Kids are expensive. Kids cost 250000 buckaroos from age 0 to 17. If you send them to private school, it's 350000 If you send them to college, it's almost five hundred, six hundred thousand from the time they're born today. By the time you make love, sweet love. And I always say to myself, what the world needs now is not another love song. So uh, there's some basics that you need to know. So you don't get stressed out about this. Get into a financial wellness benefit. Listen to this show. Come to one of my seminars. Get the basics and you'll be fine. You want to avoid conflict of interest. Anytime you see like a fidelity rep coming to your firm to educate you, it's just to push their own product. I like fidelity. I think they do a really good job, but I don't like the salespeople of big companies because they're not going to educate us on what we need to know. They're going to educate you on what they think you need to know. I'm not saying you need a budget coach or a financial coach. I'm not rah, rah, shish, boom, bah. In fact, anytime I see someone who calls themselves coach, kind of creeps me out. Financial coaches particularly, I know one in the Bay Area. She wanted to pounce on me and make babies. She was a big woman. She was a tall six foot seven college basketball player that now she teaches you how to be a financial coach. She'll be your financial coach and she's got this ridiculous system. A lot of the product that she pushes people into give her big kickbacks. Oil wells. Leans on other people's mortgages. Can you make money doing that? Yeah. But you know what? You can make money easily by buying stocks, bonds, and real estate. Best type of real estate to own are what are called REITs. Real estate investment trusts. I'm in a building right now that my radio company has to pay, write a check every month to the landlord. A REIT is a collection of commercial businesses. It doesn't always have to be commercial businesses. It can be apartments. It can be the mortgages that underwrites these businesses. So you just need to... I'm stunned at how many people don't know about REITs. Publicly traded are better than private. I've never met a private REIT that I liked. And I'm going to swear on the life of my mother. I've never found a private REIT that I liked. How's that? 
don't think you need it. I think people get way too complicated. You know, I saw someone asked me a question recently at an event, and she said, what you, <laughs> she was uh, kind of crabby. What do you think about investing in foreign markets? I'm like, yeah, investing in foreign markets is great. Apple gets 60% of their revenue from foreign markets. So if you own the S&P 500, you own Apple. And if you own the S&P 500, you own investing in foreign markets. See how simple that is? Now, again, it, that's not very simple. <laughs> investing in the United States to me is more of a small cap, mid cap kind of play. But I'm digressing a little bit. So you got to know the basics. It's critical that you know the basics. You educate yourself. And for the record, you know I said I hate all coaches. I, I don't even like high school football coaches. Now, I know a lot of them do a great work. A lot of them are like wonderful people. But the ones that take the game a little too seriously, like it's going to war, that flip out and freak out the kids, let the kids have a childhood. Please, please let the children have a childhood. I believe the children are our future. Um, I think that there's two types of investors. There's people who create wealth, and there's people who manage wealth. One of the reasons I bring Chad Burton on the show as regularly as I do is because he's a wealth manager. He's the best one I've ever met. He's, he's going to take your money at age 50 and help you keep it till 100. That's his goal, to bounce the check on the final day of your, of your life. I have to create wealth for people, so I get to work with the, the youths, the people 20 to 50. So you need to know a little bit. Uh, new cars are a depreciating asset. Um, I'm not a big jewelry guy. I'm not a big expenditure on something that's going to break and fall apart. Now, again, that doesn't mean I don't have nice furniture and it doesn't mean I don't have nice things in my life. I just, first and foremost, I think gold chains look ridiculous on men. I'm not a big gold chain guy. If you're wearing a gold chain right now, I think you're ridiculous. <laughs> Everyone's stopping and looking. Oh, I like a little leather. If you want a little little leather bracelet, fine. Little leather necklace, fine. Let's go kill a cow. I'm fine with that. I'm pro killing cows. Cows are the enemy. That ain't no cow. That's Suze Orman. Hey, Suze, thanks for stopping by. I love Suze. You know, it's funny. Uh, anytime I say I don't, I'm not a big fan of Susie Orman, some people say, why? And I'll say, because her financial advice is, is awful. She's got less than 1% of her money in the market. She doesn't put her money where the mouth is. She once said that, you know, buy the NASDAQ because it always goes higher. Like, when she was an insurance agent, an insurance broker in California, I knew her. I've got video of her when she was a 250-pound woman. I know the, the, the crap that she sells. I know, like, she sells a, uh, a credit repair kit for 99 bucks on QVC. First, okay, here's another hint. Anyone who's selling financial products on QVC, you probably don't want to be near. Because they're trying to generate volume, volume, volume money. I'm not saying people don't have the right to sell their financial information, but I don't think you need to pay for financial information. You know, she sells a credit repair kit. Do you know how you want to, you want to hear, know how you repair your credit? Go Google fixing my credit. There's probably about 80 free sites that will teach you how to do it. And the number one thing you can do is go get a credit card. 
And that's ridiculous. To fix your credit, you have to have credit. Because the credit score isn't really all about consumer fairness and consumer goodiness. It's all about, do you make credit lenders money? And do you have a good track record of not losing them money? To have a good credit score, you have to pay something back over 8, 9, 10, 12 months. Those of you who pay off your credit cards every month, you're not a good... uh, Lenders don't like you. They're not making enough off you. So they want you to pay it off over time and not miss a payment. Anyhow, anyway, Rob Black. You can find me at robblack.com, AM 1220 KDOW. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. You're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So when you study economics, I was going to say when you study economies, you're going to learn that the one thing you always fear is inflation. Consumer price inflation. You're, You're worried about producer price inflation because it's tied towards wage inflation, housing cost inflation, cost of living inflation. Some of the things that you're going to study are business cycles, and you become more and more comfortable with recessions. A business cycle is a pattern of expansion, it's contraction, recovery. Generally speaking, the business cycle is measured and tracked in terms of GDP. A recession typically is used to mean two quarters in a row of down economic activity. So you're looking for, I don't know, uh... You don't want 100 years of expansion. That's like me saying, let's go sprint for 100 years in a row. You need time to recover. You need time to think about things. You need time to plan things. Recessions have averaged around 10 months since the 1950s. The recovery, though, typically averages about three years. So three years of economic expansion, 10 months of recession. That's what we've been averaging because of modern economics and how we've been uh, using uh, our Federal Reserve and other situations, political spending, to get us out job creation. So three years of expansion, 10 months of contraction. So the guy um, has kids in college, teach them there's going to be recessions in your lifetime. That doesn't mean you have to go and lose your mind. It doesn't mean that you have to go strike. It doesn't mean that you have to go protest. Recessions are normal, and they're very, very healthy. They tend to take out speculation. In a healthy economy, speculation can work. In a non-healthy economy, speculation is the first to go. Unemployment is a funny word. Let me give you three examples. Frictional unemployment, that's when you have imperfect information and the difficulties in matching qualified workers with jobs. A college graduate who's actively looking for work as an example of frictional unemployment is almost impossible to avoid. Are we having the jobs that we want in our economy filled? Or are people working at Walmart? How about cyclical unemployment? That refers to employment that is a product of a business cycle. 
you know, during recessions, for instance, the demand for labor and wages are typically slow to fall to a point where demand and supply are back in balance. So sometimes you overhire, it goes boom, and then you fire. Structural employment refers to the unemployment that occurs when workers are not qualified for the jobs that are available. So frictional, you don't want that low-paying job. Structural, there's jobs out there, like, for instance, California. We need engineers, and we need to fill those jobs. So it's, you know, a couple things that I look for. You have to learn currency, and you have to learn, you know, expenditures and tax and debt from governments. For a lot of citizens in different countries use different currencies, right, to do their trade. The word forex means foreign exchange. The nominal exchange rate is type of exchange rate that's referenced most in business. I see people who want to buy the Iraqi dinar as effing insane. They don't have an economy there right now. They don't have a currency there right now. Until you have an economy, until you can conduct trade on a fair level, you're crazy. So who typically pushes foreign exchange is watch your late-night infomercials. Whatever late-night infomercials are pushing, you tend to want to stay away from, especially when it comes to investing. Whether it's day trading, whether it's stock platforms like Red light, yellow light, green light. Foreign exchange. You can turn $10,000 into a million dollars right now. If you call our 800 number, we'll tell you about the Iraqi dinar. Anything that's an infomercial. An infomercial costs about $3,000 to run non-prime time. So basically, they got to get one person suckered for $3,000 to cover that cost. Maybe it's the two midgets out of Hawaii selling real estate. What do you think they're doing? You think you think they're trying to get you if their message was good, don't you think they'd be selling it to Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie? Don't you think they'd be selling it to the US government and not to the guy who's watching late night television at twelve thirty smoking dope? You think the two midgets have something to offer in real estate that you haven't figured out? You think Tony Robbins or Robert Kiyosaki have something that you don't? You've got incredibly low self-esteem if you have if you think that's the case. People that promise to teach you their system for creating wealth. I'll teach you the secret of millionaires. The secret of millionaires is that we don't spend all of our money on on stupid stuff like classes on how to become a millionaire. You know, we're not going to seminars that cost 400 bucks on how to become a millionaire. So stop doing it. You know, Kiyosaki, a lot of people are like, I read his book. If you read his book, it's incredibly confusing. His books, on one hand, put all your eggs in one basket. On the other hand, diversify, diversify, diversify. It's like, just say a lot of stupid stuff and see if it sticks because someone's going to believe it. Those of you who think Robert Kiyosaki is some sort of investing god, you're ignorant. He's great at getting you to seminars. He's not great at getting you to make millions. If you want to make a million fast, create a seminar for people to separate them from their cash. He figured out how to do that. 
So these wealth coaches, I think they're just crap. A lot of times a wealth coach will make a, a relationship with a building and, and like a timeshare or they'll go out and, and try to, you know, get oil pumped out of a, a, a broken down dilapidated oil find. And they'll say, look, we'll bring you $100,000 and you just set up a commission relationship for you. Wealth coaches are, are, are shenanigans. Do you think there's really a wealth coach out there? I mean, stop and think about it for a second. I'm wealthy. If you want me to coach you, you better be damn good looking or you better be buying me beer. I can teach you what I did. I started a business. I saved 10 to 15% of my salary. I figured out a market that other people weren't doing, Generation X Financial Advice. Be honest with people. Treat them with respect. Don't sell them crap product. So, I don't know. you got to be incredibly cautious with what you see out there. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And if you hear a lot of, you could have made 60% on what I told you or 100% on what I told you, it's probably not monitored by the SEC. Any returns above norm have to take on extra risk. Otherwise, the U.S. government would be doing it. Otherwise, I would be doing it. So when you hear about, you know, you could buy real estate that yields 15, 16, 17%, there's something wrong with it. It's too much of return. AM 1220, KDOW. You're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW. All my You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Leery of the stock market, be aware that cash-heavy portfolio may raise odds of falling short of long-term goals. I recently got an email from a young woman who's got a lot of cash that she's saving for a down payment, and I'm like, okay, so you get a house. But what do you do when you're 60 and you don't have a million dollars? I want you to get a million dollars by the time you're 60. So that you can pay yourself $40,000 a year. I could live off 40000 plus Social Security. Now, if you have a wife, well, you probably need a little bit more. If you've got dependent children, you probably need a little bit more. So being cash heavy and like, woo, if the stock market cracks, I'll be good. Uh-uh. When you're 28, you don't care if the stock market cracks. You're looking for lowering your expense ratios. It's the number one thing that you can do. As an investor, the number one thing you could do is lower your expense ratios because that's money in your pocket. You need to avoid taking excessive risk because you don't need to. Excessive risk could end badly. Now, I don't want you to be afraid to strike out, 
That's something that Babe Ruth once said, never let the fear of striking out get you in your way, but try not to strike out. I have failed so many times in my life. I don't like failing in investing because that's my money that goes away. But I have failed with women. I have failed with exercise programs. There's a pretty funny thing that I, I got to be careful on how much I say because the story ends with me pooping. It starts with me running on a date, jogging. And we just got too far out. We're doing like a six, seven mile run. And there's just, what do you do? I have failed at numerous things in my life. And when you're running, everything gets jostled and it's messy and you start cramping. You know, a fun way to explain real estate to your kids, play Monopoly with them. And when they land on, you know, uh, Charles Place, go, you're in the ghetto. Get out of the ghetto. Come up to Broadway. Teach real estate to kids that you want to own the best streets. You want to own. You don't want to own just to own. That's not going to get you anywhere. But you do want to own some utilities because they pay you. Sweet. When you, see a, when you use a credit card in front of your kid, tell them what you're doing. And then say, Mommy and Daddy, we're going to have to pay this off at the end of the month. Each day you put off saving for retirement may be missed opportunity. If you wait till tomorrow and the market's up 2%, you just lost 2% on your money, which is inflation for the year. Max out your contributions. Over 50, continue maxing them out. Because again, you don't know how much retirement's going to cost you. You have a rough idea. It's going to be more expensive than you think, especially the first couple years. Having bonds in your portfolio softens things on the ups and softens things on the downs. That's why you want bonds when you're younger. I don't have a lot of bonds. You want to conquer temptation to spend what you make by automating savings. Best thing I ever did when I was 18, I got rear-ended. I know you're saying, this segment has got a lot of poop and rear-ending. Yes, it does. So I got rear-ended and got a $3,000 you know, sorry that you went to the hospital. I put that money in the market. That money has turned into over $30,000 because I, I, again, the 90s was very good to me. But you have to get money in the market. You have to. Um, and every day that you put off, it, it's, it's horrible. And another thing that I did when I was 18 was I'm in college, right? I drink cheap beer. I drink Milwaukee's best. I drink a beer. I drink a tequila. It's called Mekong. It's five cents for a bottle. It's got formaldehyde in it and it can blind you. But it's five cents a bottle. The formaldehyde part, I kind of like. It's a stiff drink. Um. Yeah, yeah, so... I would always have my friends go out and buy the high-end beer. And then I would, you know, I would drink their high-end beer and I would let them drink my low-end beer. I have a character in my head called Evil Rob Black. And I'm working with some agents down in, in Los Angeles right now about doing a national show. A daily national television show. 
And you sit down and you write with them. You're like, what do you think about Evil Rob Black? And like, tell us about Evil Rob Black. Well, in the middle of the night, you water your yard with your neighbor's water. Or your neighbor goes on vacation and you water your yard that way. Or you like plug in your extension cords into his outside electrical. Or you dine and dash. Or you drink cheap beer. Or, you know, Evil Rob Black is a character. He's a pretty funny character. Evil Rob Black has like little dinosaur hands. Like he can't quite reach his wallet. You know, like when the check comes go, oh, and you move your hands around and you're you're like a little gypsy beggar kid. You're confusing people because your hands are moving so fast. And they're like, fine, 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 I'll pay. Highest denomination in the United States? What do you think it is? What was the highest dollar bill ever made? $100,000. It had President Wilson on it. You're saying Pete Wilson? No, 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 no. I don't think he was president. So if you automate your savings, like I said, when you're 18, you're putting 166 bucks a month into a mutual fund. That's 2000 a year. For five years, that's 10000 And then at that point in time, 10 will become 20, 20 will become 40, 40 will become 80, 80 will become 160000 by the time you retire. You've got to start early, though. How do you get to save $100,000? That's probably the biggest question that I that I get. Like, I want to start saving money, but I, it's not big enough. In the last couple of years, you get a lot of uncertainty. You get a lot of greed. From 2009 to 2012, the market up 100%. Are you kidding me? Sweet. Some six-month periods, the market's up 30-plus percent. Sweet. Saving your first 100000 is a goal. And that's the first thing you have to do. When I was a kid, I was in love with this cute little blonde girl who I've since Facebooked, which Facebook is an evil. It takes way too much of your time. And she got huge. But that's neither here nor there. I was in love with her, so I carved my initials in a tree. I had eternal love, and I wrote it down on a tree. And she didn't care. So little Rob Black had his heart broken early, which led to a lifelong obsession with alcohol and losing himself in depression. Barbiturates. You know, I don't even know what a barbiturate is. Like, I know money, but I don't know barbiturates. Are barbiturates still around? They can't be. No one says, I'm going to go load up on some barbiturates. So anyway, um, how to save your first 100000 You got to write it down. Because until you do, you're not going to get there. And you got to start you got to create some short-term saving goals. Like I said, 166 bucks a month from your paycheck. Every month is a start. If you can do more, do more. But you can't do less than that. If you're employed, try to use a 401k, a 403b, a 457. And 10 to 15% of every paycheck, 10 to 15% of every paycheck goes into that 401k, 403b, 457. And if you don't, you're never going to get to $100,000. you got to start saving on taxes. And you start with the 401k because you're not paying any federal tax. So when your boss says, I'm going to pay you $100,000 a year, it's really not $100,000 a year. It's $72,000 after you pay top level of taxes. And then you pay state income taxes, so suddenly it's $60,000 a year. And then you pay income tax on anything you or sales tax on anything you buy, so it's $50,000 on anything that you're consuming. 9%, right? So when your money's still 100000 consider putting it in the 401k before it starts getting taxed. Now you're getting, you have to pay state tax, but not federal tax. And you get the idea. 
You need to reduce your interest burden. So pay off any debt over 8%. You need to take advantage of employee benefits. A lot of employers contribute an equal amount to your 401k. Any matching is free money. And you know what I say to free money? Whee! Free money! I probably just popped someone's ear. Someone just went off the road. I'm cool with that. You want to generate any additional income you can. And that can be done in a lot of ways. You know, do you have any other crafts? Do you have anything you can teach? Can you tutor children? What can you do? Um, don't let your skills and talents go to waste. If you know how to play a, a, a mean piano, if, if you can tutor young women on business, because you're a business person, consider it. Put an ad in Craigslist. See if it works. You need to keep your cost low. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go out and buy lingerie. I'm saying, you know, don't go out and buy a lot of the stuff. You don't need 85 pairs of shoes. You don't need men. We don't need 10 video games. Buy used video games. Never buy new video games. There's no sense in it. So keep your costs low. Generate additional income. Take advantage of employee benefits. You'll get your first 100000 if you do all of those basic things. And then money makes money. You know, I own... Apple, and they're going to pay me a dividend. So not only have I made the growth, but now I'm going to get the income. Money makes money. You've got to get that first 100000 and that's the toughest. After that, you're on your way, and you're, you got some momentum. You're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. I love what I do. If that's not obvious, I'm so, so sorry. I know at times it's intimidating as hell to talk money. I just showed you how to get your first hundred thousand. It's going to take you five to ten years. Minimum. But then it starts to snowball. And then your kids go off to college and you're no longer paying for their car insurance and they're no longer paying for like it gets easier when you get older. When you hit your peak earnings and things are starting to disappear on you in costs. One of the things I like to do is to point out, let's go back in time. Like I don't own shares of Merck directly, but I understand why people would. You know Merck was started in sixteen sixty eight by a guy named Frederick Jacob Merck. At an apothecary in Darmstadt, Germany. And that's where the, the origins of the company comes. In 1899, some 30 years later, the Merck Manual of Diagnosis and Therapy is published. The United States starts producing, you know, some of the drugs of their products. Company merges with uh, a company called Rosengarden. In the United States, they bought up a lot of the snake oil salesmen who were literally selling snake oil and other medicines. Um, they had a high blood pressure inhibitor. Annual sales hit $550 million in 1979. 
They entered into a, pa- a partnership with Astra. Um, they get a drug called Vazotec, a treatment for congestive heart failure. It's introduced. Over-the-counter medication joint ventures started with Johnson Johnson's Zocor cholesterol fighter. It becomes a blockbuster billion-dollar drug in 1992. So you get the whole idea of this. There's good stories here. Merck's beginnings can be traced back to 1668. You know, you can start looking, you know, at the science of the 1960s when we're really starting to figure out molecular science. And now we're in biotech. Biotech's a lot different than molecular. So you have to know that. Now, because they're so big and they've made so much money and they've got such a great sales force, they can buy a lot of biotech companies. Let the biotech company do the research and then they'll just come jump in. You learn things in your career as an investor like... Pfizer's Viagra. It wasn't that it was such a blockbuster drug once. It was the prescription refills. That's where you learn how strong a drug company is. It's the refills. So I'm happy these companies are there. They're doing a lot of great work to extend my life. Would I invest in Merck? Yes, I would invest in Merck for income. But I think their best days of growth are behind them. If I wanted growth, I would go after a biotech company. If I wanted income, I'm going to go after the Papa Bear, Merck or Pfizer. You with me or are you against me? Have I lost you? Um, there's vulnerabilities out there. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they don't realize that, like, for instance, we all want to be investors in good markets. We don't necessarily want to be investors in bad markets, but you have to take the good and the bad. We all think we're really smart when it's a good market, and we all get fearful when it's a bad market. So sometimes market conditions will will change your psychology. Um, I don't know. couple other things that we should probably hit you know i talked a little bit earlier that i like crude oil and i like copper copper is a play on economics like china and india as they become more industrialized the demand for copper is steadily risen because you know copper's in wiring and it's in computers it's in automobiles it's in plumbing it's in motors so that very first scene of slumdog millionaire where you see the kids playing in poop Later on, you see the kids driving around cars. That's copper. That should be the image in your head. Now, crude oil. Here's how gasoline is broken down in the United States. Crude oil is 71% of gasoline. State and federal taxes, 14%. Distribution and marketing, 10%. And refining, 5%. Crude oil is, is wonderful because... It's found in the most dangerous parts of the world, and that's what makes it awesome as an investment. I own, for instance, Chevron. With crude oil, it makes a lot more things other than just gasoline. It makes plastics and medicines, linoleum, shingles, ink. Did you know they make ink? Probably most people don't. Cosmetics, solvents, fertilizer, asphalt. 
we're going to need fertilizer in 10, 20 years? I bet we do. So crude oil is found in the toughest parts of the world, the Middle East, where I've seen video of people getting their heads cut off because the political tensions are so high there. Crude oil is found in Indonesia that I don't think they have a government there. I just think they ride around on the backs of monkeys and they they shoot six shooters at people. You know, Chad Burton said, I don't like coffee. I like coffee with my meals. I don't like coffee. I don't like hot caffeine. I like cold caffeine. But I love, if you're eating, you know, an expensive meal, I love a good cup of coffee. I've told the story about monkey butt coffee. I ate, no, I drank a $60 cup of coffee. You can get it in San Francisco. Little lemurs in Indonesia will pick up the coffee beans and eat them and poop them out. And the enzymes in their stomach make the coffee really quite unique. Now, again, the poop's washed off. You're not drinking poop. Maybe you are. I don't know. The mathematics of it, the science of it. But that was one of the dumbest things I ever did. 60 bucks for a cup of coffee. But you know what? I'm wealthy. In case you haven't heard, I'm kind of a big deal. I've got many fine leather-bound books that smell of rich mahogany. People know me. That's true. People do know me. I can't lie. The truth is the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I gave you a good hour of financial truth. What are you giving me? Find me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.